0: On this podcast, we talk about a lot of things, mostly prayer, but also spiritual warfare, parenting adult kids, and what it's like to be a woman of God living in an increasingly post-Christian world. This is the place where I share interviews with people whose lives have greatly influenced mine, and it's also the place where I process my thoughts regarding what's going on around me. In today's podcast, I'm sharing thoughts regarding the right perspective in prayer, the content I'm sharing comes from a book I published in 2007 titled Pray, Right." I do still have some copies of this book available for sale in my online bookstore, and the link is included in the show notes. The heartbeat behind today's podcast is for you to be encouraged that while prayer is not a magical formula certain to deliver you exactly what you ask for, it is an adventure into a place of intimacy with your Heavenly Father where you will learn that He is for you, even when His ways are far different than what you wish they were. Be encouraged as you listen. In 2007, I wrote a prayer study. Now, you have to remember that in the early 2000s, we were still doing 10-week studies. We weren't doing these four, six, you know, um little week studies we were doing great big semester long bible studies and In them, our format was to have a big workbook that had some questions and interactions with daily Bible reading. And it was supported by VHS videotapes so that when you got together with your group that you were doing the study with, you could all watch the teacher or the writer or the material teach the material or um, teach a lesson related to the material that you had been um, interacting with throughout the week on your own. I loved doing these studies and I loved writing them. And so a lot of my 19 books are from that period of time when I was writing studies. Um, some of the first ones that got into the mass market were these uh, 30 day studies. So I guess those were a little bit shorter than the 10 weeks. (laughs) And they were like uh, women overcoming fear and women embracing life, all of it. And then one of my favorites was one called Women Touched by Jesus. So during those seasons, I wrote two studies on prayer. And in fact, the first book I ever wrote, uh, this came after I had written a lot of curriculum for two different publishing companies but the curriculum was written for children in the church and uh the part of the curriculum that i enjoyed writing the most was the part that was the background information for the adults who were teaching the children And moving from curriculum deadline to curriculum deadline uh, took a lot of my time, but I did love writing the curriculum and I loved seeing the finished product. I loved that it was being distributed to churches all over uh, America and probably in some parts of the world. But all the while I felt the Lord really nagging at my heart to step out in faith and to write a study that he had put on my heart that did not have a publisher behind it. It didn't have um, an assignment. It didn't even have an outline that I could go by, but it was in my heart and it was a study on prayer. And that first study was also a 10-week study. and It was called, Oh God, Please, The Heart Cry of a Burdened Soul. And what we did, Tom and I put the money down to print I think how many copies, 500 copies of that book when I got finished writing it and took uh, several thousand dollars to write the, uh, to print those 500 copies. Cause if I'm remembering correctly, it was like $6, uh, uh, A printed copy of the book. And then I took that book on the road with me when I would go speak at different retreats and all and have a product to sell. And so people would buy that book. And honestly, from that point forward, the money I made from the sales of my books that I self-published in that way was how I paid for the next book and the next book and the next book until I was very blessed to get scooped up by a guy who helped me get into the mass market, a guy named Ron Smith, who not only was a cheerleader, leader, but also was an introducer, he, he was able to open doors that I had not been able to open. And then all that led to some major book writing contracts. And I didn't intend to start out this podcast by giving you all that background on myself, but um, there you have it. <laughs> Bonus. What I wanted to tell you, though, was I wrote another prayer study, and it also was a 10-week study, and it was kind of a sequel, maybe, to Oh God Please, The Heart Cry of a Burdened Soul. And this study I called Pray Right. And I based it on the scripture verse in James chapter 5 that says, the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And I wanted to use that launching place to talk about what it means to pray in the right way, to pray in a way that we can be certain that God's going to answer because we're living inside of that realm of the prayer of a righteous man. And so that's really the heartbeat of this study. And as I'm flipping through the book right now, I'm looking at the, the I called my chapters workouts because The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective as the actual verse that's printed on the front cover, James 5, 16, in the New International Version of the Bible. But my chapters are called workouts. And so the workouts are the glorious riches of our inheritance, uh, water skiing and the right prayer posture, and then praise practice. And then I... Handily built in some weeks of review because by this time we knew that when people made a 10 week commitment to a study, it was hard to keep up. Life got in the way and it just got complicated. And so, um, I worked in every three or four weeks, I did a week of review, and that gave you time to catch up on where you might be uh, have missed out on some of the daily lessons and that kind of thing. But anyway, then I do um, workouts called Embracing the Right Perspective in Prayer, um, Praying the Right Purposes, Praying the, Having the Right Practice of Prayer. And I flipped in the book today, looking at, thinking about, pondering, you know, how we ponder these things going on in our lives about embracing the right perspective in prayer. And so for this podcast, I'm, I'm talking about and really giving you some excerpts out of this particular chapter that I called a workout of this book. And um in this particular week, I had people practicing a different spiritual discipline. And this particular week, I'm challenging people to practice a fast for 24 hours. And uh, then also we're focusing our Bible study content in the book of Job. And the verse to memorize during this week of the workout was Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. Um sharing from this particular chapter of this book, because last week I talked about getting angry with God because our dog ate the chickens and the ducks. And one of the things that I kept alluding to was how we have to trust God more, no matter what circumstances we're facing. Uh, We know that God knows things differently than we know things. And throughout the whole time, I was actually walking with my friend Jill this morning, and she said, I kept waiting on you to quote Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which is, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. and all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. And I never did quote the verse. I talked all about what that verse means, but I never did quote it. So I'm quoting it now, Jill. (laughs) But the part that Jill and I really talked about this morning as we were sharing what's going on in our lives and where God's taken us in our journey. And goodness, if you don't have a friend that you can do that with, get you one. Ask the Lord to give you one because it is a rare and very special um thing to have a friend like that and it's very healthy to be able to have somebody you can process your your thoughts and your journey with anyway jill and i were talking about how when we trust god like trust in the lord with all your heart that sounds easy enough but the part that is hard is the part that indicates that you're trusting the lord with all your heart and that is the part where you're leaning not on your own understanding trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. And Jill made a profound comment while we were talking about it. And she said, the thing about leaning not on your understanding is that sometimes, or maybe most of the time when we trust God, we're not gonna understand what's going on. And that is the kicker, isn't it? That when we're trusting him, we don't understand. Well, looking back at what I wrote in 2007, many years ago. I uh, was reminded about this time in our life that, I and I, sprang, I springboarded, springboarded from this place to introduce the study. And so I'm going to just read the story that I was telling. My husband, Tom, tells this story of Michael, that's our firstborn child, when she was four years old. We were getting ready to attend the funeral of a friend of mine. Karen was the first editor to give me the opportunity to be published. In her early forties, she was diagnosed with cancer and after a few years of fighting hard, Karen died. I still remember her, what a beautiful woman who opened that door of opportunity for me. Michael watched as we were dressing for Karen's funeral and she asked, what's a funeral? I tried to answer with simple words so that a four-year-old could understand. As I was beginning to make a little progress on the difficult subject of death, Tom jumped in to the conversation. And he began to wax eloquent with his theological definition of death, dying, life after death, and the second coming of Christ. (laughs) After a few minutes of this, Michael got frustrated and she said, Dad, you don't know very much, do you? (laughs) You see, when it comes to seeing things from God's perspective, we're a whole lot like Michael thought her daddy was that day. We don't know very much, do we? Job was reminded of this fact after he suffered much loss, followed by the torment of listening to the faulty advice of his friends. I've often thought in Job's story that when those friends sat quietly and just prayed with him, that was when they did the best thing. It was when they started talking and processing and trying to make sense of everything for him that they ceased being the good friends that they had been being. Now I'm back to telling you what's in my study. When Job was finished receiving the sympathy of his friend's pooled ignorance, he experienced an encounter with God where God asked the questions rather than Job. And you can go read this part of Job's story in chapters 38 through 41. When God was finished asking his questions, Job came to a place where he admitted that to pretend to see things the way God sees them was futile. And in that place, Job prayed this prayer. I know that you can do anything and no plan of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this who conceals my counsel with ignorance? Surely I spoke about things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. When I question you, you will inform me. I heard rumors about you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I take back my words and repent in dust and ashes. That's Job 42, 1 through 6 in the Christian Standard Bible. And I wrote, how many times do we do this in our prayer closets? How many times do we speak about things we do not understand? Things too wonderful for us to know. I love the twist that the message puts on this passage. I'm convinced you can do anything and everything. Nothing and no one can upset your plans. You asked, who is this muddying the water, ignorantly confusing the issue, second-guessing my purposes. I admit it, I was the one. I babbled on about things far beyond me, made small talk about wonders way over my head. You told me, listen and let me do the talking. Let me ask the questions, you give the answers. I admit, I once lived by rumors of you. Now I have it all firsthand from my own eyes and ears. Don't you love that? You see, it was through Job's torment. It was through the loss and the pain in Job's life that he came to this place of a powerful personal encounter with the Lord God Almighty. And when he came to that place, he felt a whole lot like I feel right now in my life. And that is how big, Lord, you are and how tenancy I am. I cannot even begin. The very best thought I can have is nothing compared to the thoughts of God. And right here I wrote, my prayer is that as you embrace the right perspective in your prayers, you'll agree with Job that God knows what he's doing And he's doing it well. Last week, I had a interview with a friend, Bobby Ann Allen, who serves as the women's minister at Willowbrook Baptist Church in Huntsville, Alabama. And a shout out to Bobby Ann and her women at Willowbrook. I am so looking forward to being with you all next year in March, in fact, for your women's retreat. And it's going to be a very special time together because we're going to be committing a real solid bulk of time, more than women often can have, to developing our prayer lives and to sitting with the Lord and and hearing from Him and really just being still and knowing that He is God. But in this interview, Bobby Ann asked me a question that was, you know, it it should be a simple question to answer, but I had so much running through my mind when I wanted to respond to her question. And it was, what are some things about prayer that we are mistaken about? Like we believe the wrong thing. And so that sets us up for failure. And what came to my mind and what comes to my mind right now is that one of the things that sets us up for failure is that we think when we come to pray that we can expect god to deliver exactly what we're asking for and that if he doesn't do that then somehow he has messed up he's not god he has let us down and and we can sometimes begin to um misunderstand uh we can begin to allow our faith to be to fall apart because god doesn't answer our prayers often in the way that we expect to ask them the flip side of that is we come to pray and we can be so acquiesced to god doing whatever it is that he wants to do that we have no expectations at all and i think where we have to live is in a balance in between these two extremes and the way that I approach this is I come to God, and I ask very specifically in prayer in the prayer clinic ministry, we are um, urging and encouraging each other to pray specifically for the people coming to us for prayer we We're almost like Jesus when he came on the the uh, location with the man that was born blind. He said, "What do you want me to do for you?" and we do that in the prayer clinic people come to us for prayer they're distraught they're upset and we say what do you want god to do for you and see if you can put that into words because if we don't do that we don't really know what we're praying for and if we don't know what we're praying for we don't know uh when god answers the prayer and we don't know what to look for along the way so anyway Sometimes, though, we know exactly what we're praying for, we lay exactly out what it is that we want, and God does not give us what we expected him to give us, and especially he doesn't deliver our answers like um, the prime on Amazon delivers. You know, it used to be you paid for Prime, you were going to get your package within 48 hours. Now they have all these options. You can, you know, get a discount if you let them bring all your packages at one time. And some things, even if you are a Prime member, you can't get for several, several days because they're not able to deliver as as efficiently as they used to. And it's just gotten big. But anyway, back to what we do with God. We expect God to deliver in our time frame. And most often his time frame is much different than ours. Um, So what I'm talking about in this particular chapter of this prayer study called Pray Right is how we can saturate ourselves in this place of having the right perspective in prayer and um let me just read some of my other thoughts so i take the the reader into this chapters of job 38 and 42 all the way um 30 the chapter 38 and then chapter 42 where god is asking job all kinds of questions like can you spread out the northern skies over empty space can you suspend the earth over nothing can you wrap up the water in the cloud, cover the the moon with clouds? Can you mark out the horizon? Like all these things that God asked Job that just were pointing to the fact that God is God and Job was not. And I wrote here, God was helping Job swallow the truth of Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. And do you know what Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says? That our my ways are not your ways for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so what God is saying to us in this is that he thinks different than we do. Imagine that. He's been around from the beginning of time. And he who knows everything, sees everything, is not deceived by anything, he thinks different than we do. And... What he's inviting us to do is to nestle into relationship with him, where we bring our petitions to him, know that he has heard them, and then we're going to rest in the fact that he's going to deliver the answers according to what he knows is best and what all works together for good. Um. Well, I just wanna read you what I wrote here. I'm writing this in the aftermath of Katrina. So I was writing this study right after Katrina, the hurricane that just about wrecked New Orleans. New Orleans is just now receiving relief from the flooding that resulted from the broken levees. Even to coordinate such a relief effort has to be an incredible task. The images I've seen this week of utter desolation, destruction, and pain are hard to process. And to think that this catastrophic situation was magnified by the thousands less than a year ago when the tsunami hit in South Asia. Twice this year, we've witnessed the unthinkable. Many times, people come to me and ask, Why? Why would a God who loves us allow such a horrible thing, horrible things to happen? I went with Tom to a funeral home several years ago. A man died young. His widow was overwhelmed with grief. When she saw Tom, she grabbed him by the shoulder, shook him and cried out of angry eyes. Tell me, why did God let this happen? Tell me why. The Bible assures us that suffering has been and always will be something we have to endure as we live in our sin-stained world. And when suffering lays our hearts wide open and paralyzes our minds with grief, the only response I've ever shared to the question of why is, I don't know. We cannot begin to understand how God thinks because we do not sit on his throne. The first step to embracing a right perspective is realizing that God's thoughts are not our thoughts, nor are his ways our ways. Rest in the fact that because he is high and lifted up, He's got all that's overwhelming you still under his control. There's just no getting around it besides being willing to trust God and to trust him with our pain, to trust him with our why won't you do this now, to trust him with our confusion, to trust him with the things that we cannot control, and to trust that, he is God, and that He loves us so much that He will do in response to us what is best. He will respond to us, and He will deliver what is very best and and how do we know this? We know this because God delivered Jesus to us, and that's actually where I take the person studying in this week. I take them to the the mem remembering that because God loves us so much He sent His own Son like He He sent Himself to intercede on our behalf and to receive the the damage done by our choosing independence He He received that on Himself and made the way for us to grow into a dependent relationship with him. And a part of being dependent on him is being willing to trust him when when we got nothing. I got to meet my two-month-old grandson this week. And being around a baby so vulnerable and so young reminded me of what it's like to have a relationship with God. We didn't choose. We didn't choose to come into this world. We We came, God birthed us, you know, he, I think it was in his heart and his mind to put every person on the planet earth. And, and we come in and then we're at the mercy of whoever's arms we land in and they take care of us. They, their life is adjusted to provide for us. And we've got no say so in it. I don't know, just being around Jackson and, and holding him and seeing him and, And watching him made me remember that we're made for this kind of dependence, that God loves it when we depend on him in this way. Um, And he loves us, my friends. He loves us so much. So I guess to sum this up kind of, what I want you to know and to hear is that you can trust God. And when you think you can't, That's when your faith kicks in because that's when you choose to trust him. Even so you trust him in spite of you trust him because he's God and you're not, you lean into the fact that he's got things going on that you're not privy to. And if in some cases, when you don't get what you asked for, you choose to humbly receive what he has given. Um, God can be very intimidating. And if we stay in a place where we're like, well, he's untouchable, he's unknowable, he's unfathomable. He is to some degree, but at the same time, he also has come near to us so that we can have intimacy with him. And the only way for that intimacy to remain strong when you're in a place where you're waiting on him to do something that you're desperate for him to do, or when you're in a place when he has done something or allowed something that you sure wished hadn't happened, that's when you get a choice. You can either leave him and be void of God in your life, or you can humbly receive what his wisdom and his perfection and what his love has has delivered and it's not it's not easy to do but I do want you to remember that you are loved by God and you can draw near to him in fact I want to finish out by reading this that I found nestled in this chapter of the book as well this um let's see how am I writing a right perspective absorbs the truth that God is high and lifted up He's so far above us that we cannot even begin to understand his ways or pretend to know his thoughts. Job put this truth in words in his prayer that we've already discussed, but God allowed us to know him through the gift of his son. Therefore, we can now approach his throne boldly with confidence as we enter into an intimate place with him through prayer. This could never happen without God choosing to stoop down to us. In his article, The King and I, published in Discipleship Journal, November, December, 2004, Clark Cothern tells this story. I used to think college presidents were demanding, frightening people. After all, what I saw of college presidents, I saw from floor level, as I played on the other side of my mother's desk in the administration building at Grand Canyon College, now University, in Phoenix, Arizona. Mom was dean of women at the time, I would watch students walk down the hall to the president's office, take a deep breath, straighten their shoulders and knock. I'd catch a glimpse of the president's shiny wingtip shoes and his steady hand reaching out and shaking the student's sweaty hand. Then the student would disappear into the chamber of the biggest man on campus. From observing those students, I concluded that walking into Dr. Robert Sutherland's office must be like going before the throne of judgment. (laughs) Until the day Dr. Sutherland stooped. I was playing with my toy car in the hall outside his office when the door opened. Suddenly, I was staring at those wingtips. I thought I was about to be banished from his presence. Instead, he did something I didn't expect. He stooped. Dr. Sutherland in his three-piece suit knelt down to my level, the knee of his crisply creased trousers touching the floor. Then he asked, may I have a turn? That's when the college president and I became friends. Just call me Dr. Bob, he told me, forever changing my perception of college presidents. There's a line in the familiar Christmas song, O Holy Night, that says till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. That's how it felt when Dr. Bob valued me enough to stoop and relate to me. Suddenly, my soul felt worth. I can see how some folks might be frightened to meet God Almighty, Lord of all creation, even more scared than college students are to meet their president. I can see how they might think he's a demanding, frightening sort of fellow. Yet once I understood how he stooped. He wasn't nearly as frightening. He was loving, caring, sacrificing, giving, gracious, and there simply aren't adequate earthly words to describe the heavenly king. My friends, the proper perspective in prayer is for us to be bowed down under the mighty hand of a good, good father. Thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast. If you have friends who are disillusioned with God because He didn't answer their prayers the way they wanted Him to, be sure to share this podcast with them. I want to remind you that now is a great time to offer my four session course, Teach My Heart to Pray, in your congregation. As you lead this study, you can pitch vision for the prayer clinic ministry. Learn how you can mobilize your church to pray by going to prayerclinic.com and take the virtual prayer clinic open house. You can also pick up your books for the Teach My Heart to Pray study on that same website. There is nothing I would love more than to help your church have a vibrant ministry of prayer. Also, don't forget that we're offering retreats this fall for pastors and wives for our first time. I'm so excited about being able to do this. And then we're also offering two retreats for women only. These retreats are in September and October. I actually canceled the August retreat because the road in front of my laughing place is being paved in August, and retreating there might not be quite what it will be when the road crew isn't out there in front in the front yard working. So thank you again for listening to the Leanne McCoy podcast. If you haven't already subscribed, please do so today and give us a five-star rating. I look forward to seeing you next time on the Leanne McCoy podcast.